Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Can the Bucks make it two in a row? And we'll see just how far the Gators have fallen. All that more on this Football Friday edition of the Rick and Tom Podcast. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Tom Jones, Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with our producer, Steve Verstick. Kind of a dud weekend in college football, Rick. That's how it usually works the week before rivalry week. So next week we'll have all the big games, college football, including USF, UCF, Florida, Florida State. But we'll get to the college games here in just a little bit. Let's kick things off with the Bucks heading down to Miami to take on a 4-5 and five Dolphins team coming off an awful Monday night loss to the Panthers. Rick, I just don't think this Dolphins team is very good, and I can't imagine anybody outside of Miami and Tampa Bay are real interested in this game. <laughs> no, I haven't seen uh, a lot of national media, or any actually, <laughs> um, hanging around one buck place. So, yeah, this is, uh, you know, probably for the – I mean, the mildly interesting thing last week was that you had, you know, two very old quarterbacks who had played for the other teams uh, going up against each other and Josh McCown and Ryan Fitzpatrick. But, um, you know, these are two teams that are sort of falling off the radar. I mean, Miami's now lost three in a row. They've looked bad in doing it. With two um, very old quarterbacks, though, by the way. That's, that has not changed. Yeah, that, that part <laughs> is still the same. Yeah, obviously. Um, but I, I, I just think that, you know, for the Bucks, um, it's an opportunity – to try to build on one win. And, and, you know, you, you, this is, I talked to Ryan Fitzpatrick and, and he was, you know, mentioning, and uh, for that matter, so did Adam Gase, the Miami Dolphins, that this is a league of streaks. Um, you've mm-hmm. seen, you know, the, uh, you know, the New Orleans Saints in, in the NFC South in this division, they lost two in a row and then they've, they've put together seven wins in a row. So, um, it, it's hard to do, it's, it, but, it, but it does happen uh, quite often, probably more often than you realize. A year ago, Miami was one in four, and Gase was in his first year, and it looked like that, that was not going well with Ryan Tannehill. And then all of a sudden, they won uh, seven in a row and finished uh, winning nine out of ten and, and uh, you know, went ten and six and made the playoffs. So, uh, you know, these, these things can happen. They do happen. This is not – um, a team that you would walk onto the field and think, you know, wow, they, you know, if you're the Bucks, we have no chance. But they, they have to play better on the road, Tom. They have not won a road game, and, and not just this year, but the last two road games last year. So if you talk about streaks, there's one that the Bucks need to overcome. Absolutely. Ryan Fitzpatrick, as you mentioned, will be back at quarterback. He gets Mike Evans back, so that should help the offense a little bit. But, Rick, I'm looking for a very simple offense against this Miami team. Like, I try not to get too, too caught up in stats, but there's one stat that's often a pretty good indicator of how good a team is. And granted, it sometimes can be deceiving, but this stat usually says something. That's point differential. And when you look at the box, they aren't good. They're a minus 35. It's not good, but it's not it's horrible, horrible. The Dolphins, Rick, minus 87. That's bad. That's an all that indicates to me that they're they're not even as good as their four and five record. And this game started off as I think the Dolphins were at a three and a half point favorite. It's gone to a pick 'em. So Vegas thinks that the Bucks might have a chance in this game. I think they do too, Rick. And I, I know what you're saying about the road, but I think with Ryan Fitzpatrick, they keep it simple. They get the ball to Mike Evans. I think they'll score some points against Miami. 
Well, they beat a team very similar um, that was actually playing better on defense, you know, on last Sunday in the Jets. And, um, you know, they weren't very good on offense. I mean, Fitzpatrick completed, you know, half of his 18 of, of 36 and, and, you know, under 200 yards. But he also didn't have Mike Evans, who he'll have this week. Right. Uh, and I, I think just the act of playing a full game, you know, it's been a while since he's been knocked around a little bit. Said he got up, you know, and, and was a little sore on Monday and Tuesday, but it was a good sore. He felt like one of the guys again. And and I think no matter how old you are, um, even if you're a 10-year-old or you're, you know, in his case, you know, 34, I think the act of playing in a regular season game, in a real game where you start and finish the whole game um, is is something that uh, – you know that that you have to go through, and I th- I do expect him to be better this week. Now, how much better? Who's to say? But they they have enough on offense. Um, the way teams have been have been really gashing this Miami defense of late, I think the Bucks have enough on offense to to score some points. But uh, it could be another game that's uh, predominantly low scoring. It could be. I, I think it's going to be very similar in some ways to the Jets game. But right, yeah. um, I do expect Fitzpatrick to be a little bit better. Rick, we talked about this the last couple of weeks in terms of Jameis Winston being out of the lineup and and how much of an impact it's had on this Bucks team. And you and I both agree it's really hard to judge things when your starting quarterback's not in there. We've seen it all around the league. We see it like a team like Houston. It's hard to judge how good the Texans are when they have all kind of guys out of the lineup. So when we go into these next couple of weeks here, and let's start with this Miami game. Rick, like how how important are these games for Dirk Cutter? I mean, are, are these games that is he fighting for his job at this point, or is it? Is it like we have to wait to see how they play in these games and see what their record is in a, in a month before we make those decisions? But, I mean, is a, is a game like this, our job's on the line? I think in the NFL, your job is always on the line. I, I, I don't know that if there's a game that you don't have to win, if you know what I'm saying. I mean, yeah, right. Um, I, I suppose if you win a Super Bowl or if you're Bill Belichick, you might, you might get them all again here <laughs> or there. Um, you know, it certainly helped – John Gruden, you know, to win a Super Bowl his first year because, you know, after that, almost, uh, you know, almost anything could happen for a few years before they would give up on him. And in fact, he he ended up, you know, going to the playoffs a couple more times. But, um, you know, it's about how you play as much as anything. I mean, how you play the hand you're dealt. I think, you know, it was very telling last week that Dirk Cutter made mention of how hard it is to win a game with a backup quarterback, now he's going to attempt to win more than one game. And so if it's hard to win one game, you know it's difficult to win two. I've always said if you have a backup quarterback that you need to play uh, in three game, in, in one game, you hope he wins it. If he has to play three games, you hope he wins one of them. Um, you know, it's just that's just sort of that's just sort of how it goes. And um, and yet Fitzpatrick, you know, is not that far removed from being somewhat successful as a starter two years ago. So it's not impossible I I think, you know, this team has underperformed, not just in the quarterback area. I I, I still will maintain when they write the autopsy of this season, um, what you're going to what you're going to talk the most about is Jameis's injury and whether he should have played or was effective playing hurt. And, and that got them in his tailspin to some degree. But there's a lot of other areas that haven't played well. Um, and the defense in particular on the road has been atrocious. They, they're giving up 33 points a game on the road compared to under 16 a game at home. That's a huge disparity. Now, sometimes the offense is, is complicit with that, with the turnovers sure. like in Minnesota, et cetera, because um, it's a team game. But the lack of consistency 
you know, at some point, Tom, you, you've got to see one side of the ball or the other start to start to pan out, start to level out. You know, this this roller coaster sort of uh, week in week week to week performance based on who they're where they're playing and maybe who they're playing just can't. That's not what you're looking for in the NFL. So I think it is important because I think you know what the Glazers and others will look at at the end of the year. It's easy to say you lost your starting quarterback, but how did the rest of your team respond to your coaches? How did how right. was the scheme? How was the production of some of the players like Mike Evans, like Doug Martin, um, like guys that you were counting on to to be your big players? And and frankly, they've been a lot like the team. They've been really up and down, and in, in the case of the running game, really down. Right. I don't. I, this thing about not playing as well on the road when it comes to defense as compared to home is baffling to me, Rick. And I mean, it's it's, it's like I, I think of that scene in Hoosiers, you know, where Gene Hackman walks yeah. out and puts the, the tape up and said, "It's still ten feet from the rim. It's still a hundred <laughs> yard football field." You know, it's it's yeah. it's still eleven players against eleven players. I don't get how you go out there. And I agree with you. The, the offense has been complicit. And it's not just about turning the football over. If you don't score points, you're putting your defense in a rough spot. If you're not sustaining drives, you're putting your defense in a rough spot. We saw that in Minnesota. A lot of three and outs. Uh, defense was on the field constantly. And that's, uh, and that's the same thing happened in Arizona. So, But I just don't get this whole thing of why they're so bad on the road. Uh, I don't get it. Well, they're not a good I, – I, I'll make it easy. I, I, what my opinion is is that they're not very good as a team. <laughs> Uh, yeah. And and you know, you know, seriously, you know, good teams will win wherever they play. You know, the, they they'll win on a neutral field, they'll win on, on a road field. It doesn't seem to matter. But when you're not a good football team, I think being on the road, you know, sort of maybe um, highlights some of your deficiencies. I mean, for starters, you know, trying to operate your offense uh, in in, a, in a, on a visiting field if if there's a crowd there. Now, Miami's not going to be one of those places necessarily. But certainly in New Orleans, they had trouble with noise. Um, you know, you, you can sort of feel the momentum. And, and I think the other team, I think home teams really, uh, you know, get energy from their crowd. Um, I don't know that a visiting team, you know, the opposite is true. But I do think there's some things they have to contend with, like noise on offense. But in general, they just haven't been a very good team all year. And I think it's just been sort of piled on them uh, on the road. But, you know, look, this is one of those deals where, you know, I, I think I think the guys in this locker room realize that a lot of this is on them. They realize they don't have Jameis again, but they did win a game with Fitzpatrick. And what I sense is sort of a lot more responsibility and accountability on the players now. Um, and they realize that this is on them and, and that they – are, you know they're not giving up on Dirk Cutter or, or Mike Smith. They, I think they they understand that you know those guys can't play for them. But I, I find I find them to be very motivated. And if they get the four and six, Tom, um, you know I wouldn't give them a great chance in Atlanta with Fitzpatrick. But we don't know the status of Jameis Winston, and we don't right. know how fast he's going to come back. So things things could get interesting um, if they're able to put together two, three, four games in a row, to say the least. It's going to get two in a row. They're going to win. They're going to win on Sunday. I picked them to win. It's a close game. I think they win 23-20, something like that. I think I picked for the paper. Yeah. But it's. I think they're a, it's, they're a better team than than uh, than they were a few weeks ago. I just think defensively they looked better. And they're playing a, a worse team than, I, than a week ago. I The Jets, I don't think the Jets are any good. I, don't, I really don't like the Dolphins. I've really soured on the Dolphins. So this pick 
says more about what I think about the Dolphins, I think, than what I think about the Bucks. Yeah, and I think the Dolphins are sort of, uh, you know, they did something that's unusual in trading away what really was, you know, their best offensive player or at least their most consistent in Jay Ajayi. And when you do that, that's almost a signal to your team that, you know, we're we're not looking as much at this year. Now, I'm sure, you know, Adam Gase and others will tell you that um, they actually liked their other running backs in Damian Williams and Kenyon Drake. And Drake mm-hmm. has done some nice things. But having said that, it's it was the identity of their offense. And, you know, no matter what, I think it puts more on Jake Cutler, which is not what you want to do necessarily. But they still right. have – I mean, look, they still have talent. I mean, Kenny Stills and Devontae Parker and Jarvis Landry. And it's not as if this is an offense that, that you know, doesn't have talent. Um, their defense actually has been the bigger disappointment. Um, you know, they've – They've gone to some games where they've just gotten uh, let it get way out of hand, and last week was a prime example when Carolina ran for almost 300 yards. So, you know, I, I think that um, they're a team that's struggling, uh, certainly on on uh, to find their identity on one side of the ball and not playing well on the other. And so, you know, you have a team that doesn't feel good about itself, and one in the Bucks that should feel better after ending that five-game losing streak. So, I would agree with you. I think it's gonna be a close game. I think the, I give the Bucks a good chance to win. I pick them to win. Um, but, again, it's not as if there's a big difference between these two teams. I think they're very no. similar in, in many no, ways as it's constituted Sunday. I mean, if Jameis Winston was healthy <laughs> and playing, yeah. then the, that would be a different story. Oh, interesting, too. This should have been a week off for the Tampa Bay Bucks. This is the bye week for both yeah. teams. And and it's not ideal for the Dolphins. It's a Monday. They, they're coming off a short it's worse. week. Not that, you know, it's yeah. Monday. Yeah. And it's it on was the a road. Night. On the road. That's It's a little bit tough to come back from games like In that. In fact, yeah. Adam Gase gave them Wednesday off, which is unusual. Um, you know, that's something that, you know, you would probably just take the rest of Tuesday. You get in early Tuesday morning from Carolina, and then the players would be back in a regular schedule on Wednesday. He chose to give them Wednesday off. So, you know, recognizing that they don't have a bye and it's a short week. So, you know, that's in some ways less preparation time for them as well. All right. So Rick and I both got the Bucks winning on Sunday. Let's move to Saturday. Rick, college football. Gators are at home. Only a 10-and-a-half-point favorite, home favorite against UAB. <laughs> the Blazers are 7-3. and three. They don't play anybody, but still 7-3. and three. Yeah, Watch How, out. What would, what would this say about the Gators program if UAB, they might win this. They, they might have a chance to win this game, Rick, UAB. I give UAB a, a good chance to win this game and um, because this is their Super Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, in some ways, I mean, can you imagine being a blazer and, and coming down to Florida field and, and being able to take care of business against the Gators. I mean, they, they got it. That would make their, their season. And in some cases make guys careers maybe, but um, I uh, look, I'm, I'm interested to see how many people go to this game. Uh, how many Gator fans are, have given up on the Gators and how many of them, you know, care to even see this football game. But um, you know, I know in short order, it looks like they're going to have a new head coach and 
you know, we've talked about Chip Kelly and some of the other guys that uh, they seem to be interested in. But uh, this is this is always a bad position. I covered the Gators years and years ago uh, when they fired uh, Ganlin Hall and Gary Darnell was coaching, and they actually started that season five and zero. And then when Galen got got fired, I think they they may have lost five of the last six games or something. And they were there at the Freedom Bowl. But it gets very odd when you have an interim situation like they have now, and you know that the administration is out there actively trying to hire somebody that'll you know. And in this case, it was Steve Spurrier, right? Which wasn't a bad sure. yeah, wasn't right. a bad hire. But nonetheless, you, you know, you still have a staff that comes to work every day and they're trying to get the attention of these kids that know they're not going to be playing for this coaching staff. It's a tough thing to do, and, and I've seen it, and, and I think you know, I kind of feel for them. This will be hard. This will be another hard game for them to, uh, to get them ready to play. You brought up a great point. We were talking a couple of weeks ago about whether or not the Bucks were going to make a change, and, we, and I'd written a column saying, and you and I had talked about it, saying that um, – it's hard to fire somebody in the middle of a season because then what happens is all these coaches start looking for other jobs. They start lining up jobs for next year. Sure. You know, this entire coaching staff, right? Randy Shannon, these oh, guys are yeah. good. They're good men, but they're, they're looking, obviously they're looking to, sure. to line up something because they're not going to be back next season. And you got a bunch of kids out there saying, well, I'm not going to play for this coach. So how much do I have to, how much do I go all out here? Cause it's not like it's, you know, I'm not being judged mm-hmm. by these guys, you know, so right. it's a, uh, but I also understand why you, why you make the change in college. If you want to start getting a head start, and there's there rumors out there that are already vetting Chip Kelly. We talked about that on one of our previous podcasts, but dangerous time for the Florida Gators. I'll tell you what, Rick, there's an interesting game this week. And like I said, a lot of dog games this weekend, but, and this looks like a dog game on the surface, UCF is going up to Temple. Everybody's looking forward to this USF-UCF oh, game. Here we go. I, and I, I smell what I did you're cooking. I did, it, I did it every week with USF. I'm going to do it now for the first time. Temple's going to screw this thing up, Rick. USF killed Temple. No. Temple's, Temple's coming <laughs> off back-to-back wins. They beat Navy. They beat Cincinnati. Okay, it's not exactly you know Ohio State, Auburn, Alabama back-to-back weeks. This game's at Temple. UCF's looking ahead to USF. I'm telling you, Temple gets them. Upset alert. That would be so disappointing on so many levels, not the least of which for Scott Frost, who's probably going to have about. It would be disappointing that I'd actually get one right here. Yeah, well, that too. Um, Look, that anything can happen in college football simply because you're you're dealing with kids, for the most part, or young adults. But, um, and I think it'll be closer than it should be. But I still think USF, UCF, I'm sorry, is um, is a good enough football team. And has so much riding, you know. I mean, they're ranked fifteenth in the country. They're trying to put together an undefeated season, Tom. Right. So, right. you know, it, now if had they had one loss or something like that, I think, I think maybe. But I think they know, you know. Obviously, they could be looking ahead, but I think they have something else to play for, and that is, you know, to uh, get as good a bowl game as they can and to do something that, you know, has never been done, may never be done again, which is to run the table. Yeah, it could. I'm just saying. I I don't know. It just got that vibe to me that they're that the Saints going to get all screwed up. Miami, meantime, they're at home against Virginia, and they're coming off two huge wins. They beat Virginia Tech and then they beat Notre Dame. Any letdown whatsoever for the Canes? Because I, I tend to think not. I think Miami gets the job. I don't know that they're going to kill Virginia, but I think I think yeah. they win this game. You know what? I think Miami now sort of has a little bit of a swag to them. And if you remember the old Miami teams, and I'm not, it's way too early to compare them to that, although, you know, when you're undefeated and, and it maybe you have a chance to play for a national title, that might change. But I, I think that, you know, those teams would, would, 
just absolutely, you know, paced bad football teams that would come in into their into their place at that time, the Orange Bowl or, or wherever it was. And um, I kind of think that Miami's playing with the same confidence. I think I think there's a lot of guys will be looking to make plays and. They should be feeling as good about themselves as they ever have, even though it looks like Notre Dame might have been a little overrated. There's a there's a headline, um, right. but I, I think that I, I think Miami gets. I just don't think Virginia, on their best day, is good enough um, to pull off this kind of an upset, regardless of what what the letdown might be after the Notre Dame game. Well, here's an interesting game for you, Rick. Is I'll throw one more in at you: Wisconsin and Michigan. Uh, Wisconsin trying to go undefeated, try to get to the Big Ten championship and, and play whoever they're going to end up playing. Uh, and Michigan's been a bit down this season. Does Michigan screw up Wisconsin's hopes? Yes, they can. Um, but I don't think they will just simply because of where that game is at. Camp Randall's a tough place to play. You'll have game day there. Um, might be a little snowy. That's that's Wisconsin weather. That's That's what Wisconsin does is run the football, and they run it really well. Um, you know, they don't throw it very well, um, and but then neither does Michigan. Michigan's been, had trouble scoring a lot of points. Um, if their defense can shut down the run for four quarters, I give them a, I give them a puncher's chance. But I, I just think Wisconsin, um, the, the edge will be at home, the weather, and the fact that, uh, you know, their defense has been awfully good this year. I think they're, I don't think Wisconsin's defense has gotten quite the credit they deserve. But when you see, you know, Iowa put – 50 hang 50 on Ohio State and then really the only real points they got from Wisconsin were pick sixes which is a problem but uh, not against the defense I, I I like the Badgers in this one our producer Steve Versick's a Michigan guy Steve is, is uh, Rick Wright does Michigan not win this game Wisconsin win this game Wisconsin will win but Michigan's got a shot the oh de- yeah the, the defense Michigan's defense is very good but if they don't create turnovers if Michigan's mm-hmm. got to go the whole length of the field every time they can't win if okay, now let me ask both of you guys because I'm gonna throw this. I'm just gonna I'm gonna poke the bears. Both of you being the bear here in this situation, I'll make a statement. You tell me fact or fiction. Jim Harbaugh's tenure at Michigan has been disappointing. Fact or fiction? I think to a lot of the fan base, first, I think yeah. a lot of the fan base, it's fact. To me, it's fiction. If if you look at there's a there's a couple factors in this. First of all, he lost like the whole team last year. I mean, he was senior loaded last year, 18 starters out of 22 gone. The kids this year are all young. Um, And you knew that you could see that coming two years ago, that you knew that I always said it was going to be year four or five that would be the year that that he had a shot at it. Next year Mm -hmm. being year four, the year after five. Next year the schedule gets tough because you're at Michigan State, at Ohio State, and at Notre Dame. Mm. Year five, all those are at home. Right. And, And that's the year. But you're also in the toughest division in football, facing off against Urban Meyer, James Franklin, D'Antonio, it wasn't going sure. to be an instant fix. And granted, two straight 10-win seasons. This year they could have another 10-win season. And, and, and technically they're still in the Big Ten title hunt. I don't think they'll get there, but they have to right. win at Wisconsin and beat Ohio State next week. I don't think it's been a disappointment. I think everyone who thought they were going to win a national championship this year was false. I mean, going into the season, remember this, going into the season, everyone said they were an eight- or nine-win team. They had lost all those starters. They were like 17th or 18th in the preseason polls. They whipped Florida in the first game, and everyone all of a sudden put them in the top five. Sure, well, we sure. f- yeah. see Florida isn't that good. Everything he <laughs> said. Um, yeah, and then some. It's fiction. And, you know, I think 
maybe there's some people at Michigan that feel this way, but look, they weren't that relevant until Harbaugh showed up again. And I, I think that, you know, it, you're fooling yourself if you think there's another coach out there that has more emotional attachment or is frankly just a better coach that you can bring in there and, and just start carving up the Big Ten. Now, does he need to win a rivalry game here down the line soon? Yeah, because one in, one in four against your rivals won't, won't help you very much. But Steve's right. I mean, they, and then they lost the quarterback that they hope to play the most um, this year, and they do have a lot of young guys. So I would, I, I would stick with Harbaugh. I, I think, you know, I just think that Michigan is going to be back. I think they are back. When you win 10 games a year, that's, that's not nothing to sneeze at in the Big Ten. So I, I, I'm fine. Of course, I know Jim a little bit, and I know how hard he works at recruiting. My, my faith would be in the kind of players he's going to continue to attract. I mean, everybody's up in arms because of how creative he is taking teams to, you know, Italy or Florida or whatever. But let me tell you, I've watched this guy on a beach chair in Hawaii sit there and ignore his family. Now, maybe that's a bad comment on him as far <laughs> as his family goes, but he, he'll sit there and, and recruit, you know, 24-7. So he's going to get players, and eventually they're going to get over the top. Steve and Rick are both wrong. Thanks for listening, everybody. We uh, subscribe. <laughs> Why no, do you hate Harbaugh so much? I don't. I don't hate Harbaugh. I, yeah, I think it, you do. I do, I think he. Uh, uh, I don't know him. Okay, you know him a little bit better. I don't hate him as much as though that I think there's this belief that he's way better than he is. And I'm just looking at Steve. Bring all all the points that you guys made are, are valid points. But it's going to be what three years in a row where he finishes third in the Big East in the Big Ten East. Like third. Well, even, yeah. Understand even. that the Big Ten East is is loaded versus the Big. I mean, if he's in there with Wisconsin, you know, Purdue and whomever, um, he wins that division every year. Sure. Yeah. The, so does the teams he's behind are top five. Ohio are, State, Penn they, State. I mean, right. But, uh, but I'll say this about uh, Penn State was. I mean, that program was. We all know what happened there. They were. Sure. They were. They came from from the bottom up. Absolutely. And Bill O'Brien and, and James Franklin have done a tr- tremendous job at Penn State. Well, with me, it's not that, that I hate Harbaugh. It's just I think eventually he's going to have to win a Big Ten championship before we can call him or label him as one of the top three or four coaches in college football. I, I, some people out there think he's that now. I just don't think that's a, that's a proper label to put on a guy that, that hasn't won a conference title yet at, at, at the, in the Big Ten. And I know it's a tough division, but if he does that in the next couple of years, then I'm willing to say, okay, he's, he's this incredible coach. So it's not a hate thing as much as – I think he's a little overrated uh, until he wins a Big Ten title. But let me ask you this. If, if the teams he has to beat are almost annually um, either in or right on the doorstep of a national championship Final Four consideration, what does that make, what does that, make that conference? Well, here's, here's the well, – what makes it a really good conference, and I get that. But other, those guys are doing it. Urban Meyer is doing it. James Franklin has done it. They won Big Ten titles. I, see, I compare him a lot to James Franklin, and quite honestly, who would I rather have as a head coach? I'd, I, maybe I'd go with Harbaugh. But I just look at the job Franklin's done at Penn State, and I don't understand why Harbaugh hasn't been able to do that at Michigan. They're, and they, he's, I think Franklin's a really good recruiter. I think Harbaugh's a good recruiter. Harbaugh's probably a better game coach. It's just that I, I'm well, waiting for that Big Ten title. Win that Big Ten okay. title, then I'll then I'll put you in a conversation with Saban and Jimbo and Urban and whoever else mm-hmm. you want to 
considered to be the top college coaches in the country. But don't forget, James Franklin's got one more year on Harbaugh at Penn State, so he's been there four years. I was going to say, yeah. And, and, right. yeah. and Bill O'Brien had a better base established than, than Brady Hope. Yeah, but they, had, they, I mean, they didn't no. even have full full lot of scholarships until a couple of years ago. Yes, no, you know? and you're right. And, and Franklin's done a tremendous job. And he's got the quarterback, which is ultimately – you know, he's got McSorley, who's a pretty good quarterback. Right. Um, and, yeah, and if McSorley graduates, he may go back to talent. Right. Special talent in the backfield, too. Sure. And maybe maybe when those guys are gone next year, Penn State goes back to being, you know, eight and four every year. But I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying that I think Harbaugh's considered one of the top two or three coaches in the country, and I just don't think he's earned that yet. I don't put know? him up that high. I think he's I think he's probably top ten, but I don't put him top two or three. Yeah. Top ten would probably be about right. Well, be fun this weekend. I'd, I – I would like to see Wisconsin win that game, not against because they're playing Harbaugh, but I just like to see Wisconsin still have something to play for in that Big Ten championship game. Because they lose, then I don't know. I'm not sure anybody gets to the Big Ten uh, out of comes out of the Big Ten and goes. I thought you said Ohio State was going. They could, but I mean, they they, they could use Michigan or, or Wisconsin being undefeated. Don't you think that would help? Yes. Yeah. They need Wisconsin to be undefeated. That definitely helps. Yeah. Yeah, I heard Herb Kurt Herbstreit said that uh, you know because of their loss. To Iowa, that that would be really hard for them to, to make it back. Yeah, that yeah. I mean, you put up fifty five. That's that's a that's that's tough to do. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. You can subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. You can also find us on Twitter. The podcast Twitter handle is at Rick Tom Podcast. You can reach Rick at NFL Stride. You can reach me at Tom W Jones. Once again, thanks to our producer Steve Versnick. Have a great day. Next time we talk to you, it'll be from Miami following the Bucks Dolphins game. So enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the football. We'll talk to you next time. Acast powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.